Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, I've been waiting a long time, over 100 episodes of this podcast, to have one of my best friends in golf on the show here, and, and it's Teddy Scott, hands down, no question, all in. What a, what a player. I mean, yeah, what a player he is. What a caddy. What a person this guy is. I mean, you talk about somebody who encouraged Bubba, listened and encouraged. Those are the things that I think makes Teddy Scott one of the great people in the sport. You think I'm being cheesy, you think I'm being... Just uh, just a cheese ball answer. No, it really is. That's him his greatest strengths, and I've told I told him that actually after we spoke. What it means for him, to, uh, the way he's able to connect with people is is just un- unbelievable, and that's why he's such a great caddy because he listens, and then he encourages right accordingly um, to to anybody's situation, whether that's a fellow caddy, whether that's a, a friend from the media like myself or player. I mean, this guy just has a way of of reading and sensing. What, what people need to hear. And, and that, is the, that is not something you can uh, take for granted. It, it's a really special thing. And now, oh yeah, by the way, his player is the number one player in the world, Scotty Scheffler. And you put this all together, all these ingredients, and this is just a really special partnership. So we get into that? What does it mean? <laughs> Obviously, uh, that's my favorite question ever, right? The one that John Rom loves to ring me out about. What does it mean? What does it mean? Well, I'll tell you, when you got the number one player in the world, you really have to dig into that, and we do. What is going on with the, with their relationship, and how does that play out? Obviously, Augusta, there is so much. He's just making his debut as the world number one at Augusta. The last person to do that, according to ESPN Research, was Ian Woosnam, who won the Masters that year that he debuted as world number one. So, hey... Listen, you're going to hear the possibility of winning the Masters, and why not from Ted Scott here? Hopefully, they put on a green jacket at the end of the week. Why not speak that into existence, right? So here we go. We got Ted Scott. We go back to 2012 is where we met at Sherwood Country Club, and that was Tiger's old event there. It used to be called the Chevron World Challenge. It's now the Hero World Challenge, as you guys know, down in the Bahamas. They move locations. I, I used to live in California, so I would drive from Sacramento to L.A. That was the second time I ever covered it. And Teddy was just the best, man. And um, I remember meeting him. And I don't know. He, he was just really personable then. He you know, wished me a Merry Christmas. Didn't know me. But, um, you know, he was just really, really cool there on the, on the putting green as, as we met that first time. And, you know, we played tennis a few months later with Fish, uh, Andrew Fisher, who was uh, – Let's see, he was the trainer for Bubba Watson at the time. Remember, of course, Bubba was reigning Masters champ at that time. I was playing with with, with Team Bubba, and it was a pretty cool thing to play. Uh, see, it was Fish, it was uh, J.J. Jakovac uh, in, in doubles, and also Teddy Scott and Garrett Johnson, who uh, I will admittedly tell you I love tennis, and, and I played with them, and Man, my second serve, uh, I was hitting one of the, some of those powder puff second serves. Uh, I guess to get it in, and J.J. Jakovac was giving me grief, as was Teddy Scott, deservedly so. Anyways, this is a fun little memory, just kind of one of the first things I did uh, with Ted Scott. Um, 
And this was, that was at the match play in Arizona. I, I really went down that rabbit hole. Apologies, everybody. But I just, just want to give you a sense of how far back I go with Ted Scott. And, uh, heck, I remember at the Open Championship week, right, in 2015, one of the, the moment that really changed my life, it really was, to cover that Open, covering Tom Watson, a final Open, and Zach Johnson's win for his hometown paper. But I remember arriving at, at that golf course, at midnight on Monday of the Open Championship and emailing Teddy Scott and saying, Teddy, this is amazing. Let's walk around town. It's still light. Let's go. Let's walk the course. And the next morning at 4 a.m., him emailing me back going, dude, I was asleep, man. Like, what are you doing? Like, like, get your priorities straight. <laughs> and I was like, Teddy, I was just so happy to be here, man. Let You know, we got to soak it all in. So it was just cool. You, you just kind of like talking... Uh, Talking some sense into me as best he could. Anyway, this is Ted Scott, Teddy Scott, as, as a lot of people like to call him, on Beyond the Clubhouse. And right before we get to it, Encore Golf. Three balls, one truth, technology matters. Golf is complicated, as we know. Choosing the right golf ball for your game doesn't have to be. Encore's three-ball lineup covers the full spectrum of spin, trajectory, and compression to ensure your golf game is completely dialed in. And with their direct-to-consumer model, they have a ball to fit any budget. It's EncoreGolf.com. When you order online, you're going to get 10% off using my promo code B, the letter B, Clubhouse. And you can get 10% off from their three balls, Avero X1, Avant 55, and the Elixir. Check out EncoreGolf.com, and let's get to it. Teddy Scott on Beyond the Clubhouse. All right, I'm pleased to be joined by a good friend of mine from the, from many years, going back probably about 10, 11 years, uh, Teddy Scott, the caddy, as you know, for many years for Paul Azinger, for Bubba Watson, and now for Scotty Scheffler, world number one. Hard to believe, but, he, but there they are. And uh, first off, Teddy, like, what's going on today? How are you, man? I'm doing great. I'm uh, leaving Louisiana, heading towards Alabama. Traveling to a volleyball tournament with my beautiful daughter, and uh, going to go watch her smack that ball around a little bit. <laughs> I love it. So now, listen: is this volleyball thing? Is this passed on from the father? I mean, are you? I know you're a good ping pong player from years past uh, playing against you, but are you a big uh, volleyball guy? I have no talent at all in volleyball. <laughs> Zero. Right. So you just uh, moral support then, huh? Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool game, though. I've gotten into watching it and really enjoyed it. You know, she started playing in school, and, and that led to uh, doing some travel ball. And it's, it's a great game. What a fun game it is. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I love the team aspect of it. I remember, gosh, in my early 20s out of college, I just, that was my favorite part, man. You just get people together, and it's just the camaraderie is unlike any other sport I've played before, man. It's, it's, you, can't, you can't bottle it up. Yeah, it's pretty cool between every point. You know, they get together and give each other high fives and pump each other up. It's like, okay, this is cool, you know? For sure, man. Yeah, it's it, it's awesome. Great sport. And, you know, it's interesting. You talk about really, you know, pouring into your daughter's life by, by driving across the state with her. That's That leads to a, a question I was thinking about. I asked this of Paul Tesori, and I'm curious what, what you would say to this. As a father and a, and a full-time caddy, how do you lead your family and balance everything? Yeah, you know, it starts with having a great wife that understands. Um, you know, my wife uh, met me. I was already a caddy on the PGA Tour. So um, she was kind of, when we, we were dating, she was used to this lifestyle. 
And then I would say the second part is uh, I give my family the keys or the switch to turn it off if they ever want me home. They can tell me, hey, Dad, you know, we want you to quit caddying, and I'll, and I'll try to find something else to do. So that helps. And then I would say um, with, with the job that we have, you know, we are gone half the year, but the other half the year, you're completely home. And, you know, you can drive them to school, pick them up to school, go to school, have lunch with them. So there is a lot of benefits to, you know, the hours that we work. Um, you know, probably the biggest disappointment is you just don't see them every night. Right. Yeah, just like that continuity with, you know, dad. Like for me, I work nights on, on the Scott Van Pelt show. And, and anytime I, I'm not working at night, my, my daughter Sophie's like, Daddy, are you going, are, are you leaving? Are you going to work when it's dark? Or are you going to be with us when it's dark? And I'm just like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I, I am working, you know? Like, it, it's tough when you have to, you know, tell them that you're not going to be at something. You're going to miss something important, right? No, absolutely. And, you know, as they get older, they start to understand and then probably get a little older and they, they won't care for a little while. So, <laughs> but at the age of your daughter, it's, you know, Daddy, don't leave me. So those were the good old days, you know? Yeah, yeah, age age four and a half in Sophie's case, um, but it's interesting. We talk about you know kids, and obviously you're 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 raising a family now. And I think of like the player you're with is a unique kind of mature player, and and I would even say like an old soul. You know, what I mean that was one thing uh, I was talking about with a couple of, of colleagues the other day. Like he really is an old soul. I think a lot of it comes from maybe Randy Smith. Who's been coaching him for since what age eight? And Randy's up there. He's what, probably late sixties, seventies. But what do you think it is that makes him such an old soul? Yeah, I mean, I think certainly that's a that's a big part of it. You know, who you who you grew up, you know, being around, who coached you. Um, you know, Scotty said that he wore pants when he was a kid to the golf course because he dreamed about being a professional golfer. So if you're a kid wearing pants. In the summer of Dallas to a golf course, you're probably maturing a little faster than the majority. So I could totally see that. Um, you know, he just just got his head in the right place. And then the other thing is he's just got a really great family. And, uh, you know, that's a big part of the maturing process. You know, I think that, um, his family is wonderful. So he, he has a lot of security in that. You know, a lot of immaturity, I believe, comes from insecurity. Uh, but he's a very secure man because he has so, such security with a loving family, a loving wife, and even her family I met is, you know, just incredible people. So I've got a great base um, to be to be an old soul. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it starts with, well, you said in, in your case it starts with the wife. It starts when a, from a family perspective and then with, with Scotty as well. He's got that, that base um, to go with it. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, when did you realize that, wow, like Scotty – we talk about his maturity, but when did you realize this this kid is this kid's special? I mean, this is this is this is something else. Yeah, it's pretty funny because I, I don't I don't really follow golf other than the PGA Tour, not because I'm not interested. I just don't have time. So I don't follow college golf. I don't follow junior golf. I don't you know I hardly ever watched it. U.S. Juniors and things like that. <laughs> right. I have enjoyed it the few times I have, but I so my knowledge base of who Scotty Scheffler was prior to. Uh, playing golf with him at the Zurich Classic was very little. I mean, I didn't know the guy, didn't know anything about him. Um, when we played with him at the Zurich, I was like, man, this guy's pretty gutsy, you know, to be playing with Bubba. And a couple of the tee shots on the par threes there on 9 and 17 are really tough at the Zurich. And um, and he was like, I'll take the odd holes. And he stepped up and hit great shots uh, in alternate shot. And then, he, you know, watching 
the Ryder Cup, and he goes out and, and plays great against John Rahm, the number one player in the world, uh, in singles as a rookie. And I'm going, man, this guy's just, he must be good, you know. And then um, when I started working for him, you know, you start noticing, wow, man, he's really good at this. Wow, he's really good at that. And, uh, you know, it didn't take but just a, a couple of weeks because you don't know a guy could be playing well the first week you work for him or something. You think, oh, he's a world beater. You know, I've even had a top 10 in a, in a mini tour event. So if you caddy for me, you might think I was good. But uh, <laughs> if you caddy for me every week, you'd realize I'm not. So, <laughs> But uh, after week in and week out, the consistency factor kicked in. And I'm like, you know, he's, he's really good every week. So, yeah, and then you couple that with a great mind and, you know, the sky's the limit. You're you're really humble here, Teddy. I mean, you say you're not that good at golf. I saw your scorecard that you posted from Oakmont. You put on Twitter there about what eight months ago. How many birdies did you make in that single round? Seven birdies. Seven birdies, like five in the last seven holes or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was lucky though. The, the course was uh, the course they didn't have much rough, so I could spray it. So if, if I had to play it during the U.S. Open, I, I would have shot ninety-five, guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> I love the perspective. Yeah, I was lucky. I played it there, and it was the same kind of thing. It was wide open, no rough at all. That was. I played it August, I think. It was, yeah, early August. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when you look at Scotty, though, and think about your player, like I've asked Randy Smith, his coach, about this. What is his greatest strength, right? And Randy seems to think a lot of it's the mental uh, the mental side of the game. But, but what do you think it is with Scotty as his greatest strength? Or, 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 or both. Maybe it's strengths, plural. Yeah, I mean, I would say to me it starts with his mind. I mean, uh, you know, he just he just doesn't do it for the wrong reasons like a lot of us do. You know, uh, I think a lot of people pursue their dreams because they want other people to like them or whatever. He just this guy just loves to compete. You know, um, the second week I worked for him, we, we went and played uh, paddle tennis, and it was like, wow, this dude just wants to crush people at everything he competes against. You know, uh, anyone he competes against. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think it starts with his mind and then he's, he's very driven. So he's, so he's a hard worker. So he's tough mentally. Um, he's smart and he's also a hard worker. So, you know, you put the, you put that as a base and enough time and hours into something and you can become great at it. Yeah, and I, clearly he's done it. Uh, those three wins he's really strung up. And, you know, I will never forget, Teddy, uh, when we talked, uh, was a couple years ago, and I asked you, what is the key? When you're getting on a new bag, Teddy Scott, what is the key for you as a caddy? What's the right attitude and approach? And you said the biggest verb was you have to watch this new player and adapt to them. And for you, like, how do you feel like you've been able to adapt here in this this short amount of time, relatively? Yeah, well, you know, each player I've worked for has been very different, you know, and each person has different holes in their game or holes in their, you know, business, so to speak, and you're just trying to fill those holes or bring confidence to those holes or, you know, maybe point out something that, hey, there's a hole here. So um, that's kind of the approach that I've always taken. Um, you know, with Scotty, because he seems to be so mentally tough, it just it's all about the golf game, you know. So now my focus is not – okay, I got to keep him in it. I got to keep him focused. I got to, you know, now it's like, okay, that's, you know, what, what club should we use here? What's this putt doing? You know, what's the win? You know, it's, it's more just specifically golf stuff. Um, and, and a lot less, uh, you know, encouragement and things like that, because he's, he just seems to be pretty focused over every shot. Now I'm not saying I'm not going to encourage him. I certainly have encouraged him, 
you know, there's been a few times where I've kind of made him laugh, you know, with some stuff I've said to him, and, <laughs> and you know, he, he needed to hear it, you know. Um, kind of, I kind of slap him in the face a little bit with some fun, and then he's like, okay, yeah, you know, give him some perspective. But for the most part, you know, he's in it every shot, and uh, so that allows me to really just focus on, you know, what's his ball flight like, how's the wind affected, things like that, and really try to learn so I can help him pick clubs and, and you know, decide what strategy to, to employ. What's an example of you, uh, you know, talking with him a little bit and kind of uh, just using a little humor? Yeah, so we had a, <laughs> um, we had a, a rough hole. I believe we were on the north course um, during Torrey Pines. And uh, he, he got really frustrated. And I, I remember kind of we walked up to the next tee and there was a little, there was a little wind there. Uh, and I said, man, you feel that? Feel that stuff hitting you in the face? That's called wind. I said, uh, you might want to breathe some of that in, hold it in there, and then breathe it out. You know, <laughs> you know like, <laughs> and he just kind of laughed, you know, because he was, he was so frustrated at the time. And uh, he just kind of giggled. He's like, okay, yeah, you're right. And I just kind of let that go. And, you know, that's, that's all we're doing. I mean, I, I don't, I haven't hit a single shot. You know, this guy is, was already a world beater before I started caddying for him. So, you know, I certainly am not going to take any credit for his success. It's just trying to find a way to encourage them to perform at the level that they're capable of and help them believe in their ability to do that under pressure. You know what I mean? And mm. that's, that's just my goal is just, you know, make the guy think he's the best and, you know, hopefully help him believe that. And, you know, Scotty's certainly shown that he can do it, you know. When you want to make him be the best and you're going to so many different venues, you know what I mean? Like you're just state to state, different grasses, just different situations. Like how do you just kind of keep that momentum going? As a caddy, yeah. Well, um, you know, certain players, you, you hear the whole horses for courses stuff, and, and I think that's very true. You know, there's certain guys. Look at Kevin Kisner, man. You know, you do not want to go against <laughs> that guy in Austin. <laughs> I mean, he's like three finals there. You know, it's a killer. Um, so, you know, and you look at Bubba Watson at the Masters and and Riviera. You know, Tiger at Bay Hill and Memorial, and you know. So there's certainly places where guys come alive and it's like, man, this guy just really loves this golf course. Um, but then there's also the, the rare player, I think it's rare, that can play on any type of golf course, any venue. And uh, and it takes a lot of mental fortitude to do that, you know, um, because let's be honest, we, you know, we want to eat the food that we like. We don't want to go eat somewhere. If I say, man, I re- let's go eat Italian, you don't really like Italian, then be like, okay, yeah, let's go eat Italian. Um, it, it takes a certain mind to be able to handle places that don't visually suit you or maybe suit your game. Right. So I think it, it, it just boils down to, you know, with Scotty, um, the guy's just tough. And so it really doesn't matter if you put him on Interstate 10 uh, competing, he's going to try <laughs> to figure out a way to beat you. And he's not going to complain about it. I mean, he didn't say one bad thing. Uh, during the, the, the course of the tournament at Bay Hill, and you know, a lot of people were because they can't handle hitting a good quality shot and hitting on the green and going over or whatever. Um, and and it's, it is frustrating, you know, when you execute a shot well and ends up in a tough place. But that's really what tough golf courses do. They they don't give you much room for error. And uh, and he just he just sucked it up and moved on, you know, and and went and tried to hit the next best shot. So. Uh, I think because of that, he can probably play well at any golf course. And I want to say last year he finished in the top ten in three out of the four majors. So 
um, you know, that's, that kind of proves my point. Big time. Well, speaking of the majors, I mean, you know his strength so well, and you think about going into Augusta, you know the, the strengths that are required at Augusta, right, to get the green jacket with, with Bubba those two years you did in 12 and 14. So, so how, do you, how do you look at how those two match up? Well, the first battle that he's going to have is, you know, new world number one, first tournament. The noise is going to be really loud from uh, people like Garrett. And, uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's going to be a lot of uh, expectations. So the first thing that I'm going to try to do is help him manage those expectations to make sure that it's his expectations and not everybody else's expectations. Because I think it's really hard to play at your peak when you're trying to meet everyone else's expectations. That's what I've noticed over time, Caddian. Um, so that's the first thing that I will do. You know, forget where we're playing. Let's just talk about being the new world number one and start with that. Um, and then other than that, you know, uh, obviously Augusta, you have to putt well um, to play well, but you really have to hit your irons well in order to putt well because you can't putt well at Augusta from the wrong places. You, you have to put the ball in the right spot. So, you know, the first thing I'm going to really try to do is, from a strategy standpoint is, is help him dial in the right distance and, you know, help him believe in the club so he can commit to it and hit it on the correct shelf so we can have a legitimate putt, you know, and, and get out of there with a par and possibly a birdie. And that's kind of just what you do there, you know. You just, like you always hear the back nine on Sunday because there are those roars and, uh, you, you know, you can shoot a 32 and win that tournament. You know, it, they, they give you the opportunity, but you got to execute super well and, you know, the pressure is immense. Mm, absolutely. The, the, well, you know what's interesting, though? We think about the noise, and, and I remember... I remember walking with Bryson DeChambeau's dad. Remember the first time that he played in 2016, right? He was a rookie, played with Spieth in the first two rounds. And I re I'll never forget this, Teddy. Speaking of the noise of Augusta, Mr. DeChambeau said, Hi, son, very quietly from about 150 yards away. And Bryson turned just, just like, wow, like the voice of a father carried in that so listen i'm not asking you to be this amazing voice of a father with scotty but i'm just saying like w w w the little things that you can say to him when you have this noise of augusta expectations this is you know so many people espn this is a, this is the big stage and so the little moments like what what do you think you'll try to do uh i know ted scott's gonna be ted scott right yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm not a uh, I don't plan anything in my life. <laughs> not my my uh, my quality, my good quality. You know, I'm I'm kind of a messy person, and it's all in my head. So uh, you know, I'm just gonna show up, and whatever situation presents itself, I will try to help. You know, with that situation, and if things are going well, I'll just shut up and carry the clubs. You know, and if things aren't going well, then I'll try to figure out how to help them go well. And, that, and that's what every caddy's been trying to do, you know. Um, you know, fortunately, I'm caddying for uh, an incredible horse with tremendous potential and great toughness. So that makes it, you know, much better uh, to solve problems with, you know what I mean? Uh, it's like racing in a, you know, Ferrari versus my truck. You know, it, you don't have to be that good of a driver to be fast in a Ferrari, you know. And so I, I certainly don't think you have to be that great of a caddy to caddy for a great player because the skill level is so high. 
So I'm just going to try to do my little part and support him and, uh, you know, encourage him and help him believe um, in what he's capable of. And, and hopefully, you know, we can put it all together and put the jacket on him. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, and as you go to Augusta, what's one of your favorite parts about being there, Teddy? Man, it's, it's the history, you know, just thinking of, of it's kind of like going to St. Andrews, you know, it's, it's one of the neat things about certain majors where you remember, oh man, I remember often, you know, this happened and, you know, it's, it's like, and to actually walk the, the same grounds and, you know, feel the same feels in a different era is just spectacular. It's so fun. And, um, you know, the golf course itself is stunning. You know, just the the visual beauty of it is uh, second to none. I mean, there's nowhere else like it, you know. So when you get there, you get excited because, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of fun to be had, you know, and stress, good fun stress, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you said good fun stress? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, everybody's going to be nervous, you know. The caddies are nervous, the players are nervous. You know, you're trying to make history, and, um, you know, it's fun. I mean, that's what we sign up for, you know, to be nervous and to, to have a chance. And, uh, you know, that's that's why we do it. Yeah, and it seems like Scotty is just – he knows how to navigate those nerves, man. Like, just – I don't know if it's background or what, but he just really has a way with that. Yeah, way tougher than me, man. I'm like, you know, some of those putts he hits from – from three and four feet, he's hitting them a little firm. I'm like, buddy, just ease that in there. You know? <laughs> he's, he's, he's very committed to the shot, you know. Um, so it's, it's fun. It's fun to watch, you know. Um, like I said, you know, I think that's why we as spectators enjoy great athletes because they're usually doing something, maybe not that we, we can't do physically, but more something that we just don't believe we're capable of mentally. You know, right. um, I, I love when I, when I coach golf, I tell people all the time about the eight-footer that Tiger Woods made to tie Bob May to get into a playoff. You know, um, neither one of my kids play golf, but I bet in five minutes I could get one of them to make that putt if you give them enough tries. So we could agree that it wasn't a tremendous physical skill to do that. It was the mental fortitude to do it under the situation. And I think that's where why we love watching the intensity of sport when it matters because, you know, if you're like me, I'm just like, how in the world is this guy going to make this putt under all this pressure or hit this ball over water, or find this fairway? You know, it, it's incredible to be that nervous and to be able to do that, you know, because most of us, if our buddy pulls up and says, how you shooting? You know, you're like, now, you, now you're distracted and you're trying to show off, and you're nervous, <laughs> you know, over a five foot putt or whatever. He's <laughs> like, what the heck's wrong with me? So that's what I love about it, and I think uh, Scotty's tremendous at that, just focusing on the task at hand and, and getting the job done. That's it, buddy. Well, you are too, man, getting a, a great job done yourself, whether that's on the course or, or with your family and and being a good guy all around uh, with your sermons, your Sunday sermons. Uh, we'll get into that in the next podcast. That's one of my favorite parts about what you do. But, uh, Teddy, always appreciate you, buddy, and uh, enjoy your time volleyball with your with your daughter. All right, Gary, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. All right, big thanks to, to Ted Scott for coming on. Good old Teddy Scott. I, I loved so many different subjects to get into there. And as you, you know, listen, this wasn't the longest podcast. I understand that. I mean, we only went, what, 19 minutes? 
something like that, 20 minutes maybe. But I'll tell you, like this guy, he's driving his daughter. This is like days before, two days before he has to be there for his number one player in the world at Augusta National. And he's driving his daughter across state from Louisiana to Alabama for a volleyball tournament. This guy, every time I've talked to him, I'll be completely raw and honest with you. He has just always just valued his time with his family and, and, and raved about them. And, and we talked about that, as you, as you saw there, about what does it take to lead a family as a caddy full-time. And he's given them full veto anytime, keys to his car or whatever it is, right, to, to, to stop travel anytime they want. What a guy. Um, listen, I, come on. Like, who does that, right? Like, this guy... He always talks about in his TED sermons, as you might see him on Instagram or face, Facebook, it's just like he wants other people, especially his family, to call the shots. And it's not about him, right? It's, it's about service. You know what I mean? Like service back to the people in your life. And that's Ted Scott, man. That's the heart of a servant. That's the heart of of a really good guy that, that gets it, man. And, and obviously his faith is a big part of it, right? I mean, he makes no doesn't try to hide that, like his faith in in Jesus Christ and the Lord, that is his big thing. And hey, listen, you can't knock the guy for what he's do, what he's doing. And I know, you know, call it controver- controversial or whatnot, like that's that's who he is. And that that's what makes him such a servant to other people, right? Um, what a cool thing. And anyway, like He's, <laughs> I can't, can't rave enough uh, about the guy. What, what, what a heart he has. That's what, that's what I'm getting at. A heart for other people, a heart to serve. You don't find that very often among our co- coworkers or colleagues, whatever line of business we're in, really having a heart to serve other people. And that's, that is Teddy Scott right there. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, you're going to be able to hear videos of this and also subscribe to the pod if you guys are, are liking this content, I'm working hard here on this master's content, whether it's the John Rom uh, master special, whether it's this, giving you some insight on uh, on a caddy who, who is so close to Augusta, who's been around Augusta so much, and, and then with the number one player in the world. And we got Harry Higgs, uh, master's rookie. we got that pod as well. There's just a lot um, that, that you can get if you're interested in this content. So hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll catch up soon here on Beyond the Clubhouse.